We are surrounded by authority figures. Now, whether they're an authority over us because they're our boss, because of their role in their government, and then we have those who try to be authorities over us and want to tell us what to do. <laughs> but what do we do with Jesus as an authority figure? Well, welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, because this podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And what we want to do today is we're going to look at the importance of acknowledging the authority of Jesus. So, Lynn, we are in the second week of our study on owning a faith that matters. All of our sessions in this study will be from the Gospel of Luke. Joining us is Mike Harder, who wrote the content that's in the Daily Discipleship Guide. Mike, I know you're on a busy schedule, and I'm thankful that you had some time to meet with us today. Well, I'm honored to be a part of this project, and I'm so honored to meet with you guys today. It's been a pleasure um, getting to know y'all. And I'm encouraged uh, by what God is doing at Lifeway and through this Bible study. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. Now, when Mike initially wrote for us, wrote this study, he was serving a church here in uh, Middle Tennessee. and uh, But since then, he has moved on. He is now serving as the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, Mike, how are things going with your new church? You know, God has been so faithful. We... we Felt that God was moving us uh, a year ago to a new adventure, and we just said we just want to find a group of people that we can really love well. And we found that this church is made up of some of the most loving people I've ever met, and our church family has become uh, incredibly dear to us. And so we're we're excited about the future of First Baptist Spartanburg and what God is doing here in the upstate region of South Carolina. It just seems that um, this place is really growing really quickly. A lot of people moving to the area and the future is incredibly bright, both for our church and for this entire region. And, and Mike, up to this point, you've had a strong ministry with young adults, uh, very uh, effective ministry, and you're still, in a sense, even though you're the senior pastor, you're working in an area where you have a lot of young adults, correct? That's right. Uh, First Baptist uh, in Spartanburg is in the center of the city, and a lot of young professionals are moving to town. There's five colleges that are in our in our town, in our city, and uh, this area is just known for a lot of growth, both in its business and uh, education spaces. And so there's just a ton of young people around, which is which is always a lot of fun. But uh, our church is multi-generational. And so that's one of the things that's fascinating is that we're reaching every, every generation on the spectrum. And I think that's a very healthy thing to be a part of as a church. So Mike, early in the study that you wrote for the Daily discipleship guide, you mentioned some interesting research to me that connects with this uh, regarding people's uh, unwillingness to ask for help. Uh, I was, I was, uh, let me, let me quote some of the statistics that you mentioned. 73% of people don't ask for help until they run out of other options. 13% of people never ask for help. Uh, you said by the age of seven, children have uh, come to the place where they avoid asking for help because they, they are concerned that it will make them look uh, incompetent. Um, Lynn, how do you react to this research? Let me go ask my wife see if she can help me answer this. <laughs> 
I think there's a lot of, yeah, we, we don't like to ask for help. Uh, there's a little bit of, I don't know if it's the old American idea, the self-made man that I, I don't need other people. I can stand on my own two feet. Uh, I, I think there's still some of that that's ingrained in us, even though we may not use that terminology anymore. But yeah, there's just something about it. It's a pride. Uh, I, I can do this on my own. So I'm, uh, um, sometimes the stereotype is that that's, that's men. Men are like that. But I didn't get that sense from this research. Mike, do you know anything about that? You know, I think many people across the board don't like asking for help because they feel like it exposes them. Um, we're all very conscious of our image. We all want to see like it uh, is an easy thing for us to walk through this life. I, I think both men and women feel that way, especially with the development of social media where you have to seem like you have it all figured out in order to be trusted or uh, to to escape notice. And so I think this is something both men and women um, deal with at a very large degree. You know, part of this, uh, you just touched on it, part of this is tied to pride. You know, nobody wants to feel weak or that they can be taken advantage of. And so a lot of us, we just like suffer in silence. We white knuckle it trying to figure out um, how we can fake it until we make it when deep down inside we're just we're just really struggling and and mike what's amazing about that is as we get into this passage in luke 7 we're going to be looking at a man that everybody else in a sense looked to for help and leadership a roman centurion yet we're going to see how he really humbled himself in what he did Well, with that, let's jump into the passage. As I said, we're in Luke chapter 7, and it just begins with this, Jesus is about Jesus, when he had concluded saying all this. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Uh, We're at the beginning of Luke chapter 7. Mike, can you give us some background? What what was happening up to this point? Well, Jesus is fairly early in his ministry at this point. So he's been doing a lot of teaching, and he's been doing a lot of healing and so his fame has spread throughout the entire area of Capernaum um, which was his home base and so people kind of knew who he was Um, he's kind of a local guy from Nazareth Um, but they didn't really um, expect him to do what he's doing here where he's preaching and then he's healing people so there's a lot of a lot of interest that's happening with Jesus Um, now this story occurs pretty close after uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of Jesus' masterpiece masterpieces um, from a teaching perspective. He kind of lays down this manifesto of what the new uh, kingdom of God will look like. And in it, he, he invites people to a different kind of living, one that trusts him with all of their heart and life. He tells people not to worry about tomorrow um, because... You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. He tells people to trust God because he's a good, good father. So he's got a lot of teaching on the very nature of God and then also God's, God's care for people. And so you can't help but wonder if the centurion was in attendance and he heard some of this. Or he got a report from some of his soldiers or some people that he knew that worked there. But either way, a centurion usually would would tell people what to do, not ask people to do things for him. 
So the request is fascinating because, you know, the centurions were an occupying force. A man like this usually was somebody who was um, over an entire region or was a very influential person in a region. And so he didn't have to ask. He just told people. But here he humbles himself and asks Jesus for help. And he uh, acts in a very different way than what you would expect a centurion to act. Very true. Well, let's see what happens here in Luke chapter 7. When he had concluded saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. A centurion servant who was highly valued by him was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his servant. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this, because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. So this is uh, uh, the introduction to the story, and it gets right to the heart of the matter. Uh he need he recognizes that his servant is uh, sick, needs help. He can't do anything about it, so he calls on Jesus. Yeah, and when when you look at a guy uh, in this time, he probably had access to the best doctors and healers that you could you could find. But there was something that happens when someone is uh, in the hospital or they're at death's door. You end up running out of options. Desperation. Yeah, very much desperation and also just a sense of hopelessness. That's why I love what you find here with Jesus is that he's someone who brings hope into the equation. <laughs> he's the kind of person that not only by his words or his his uh, actions brings hope, but just even the concept of who he is brings hope. And there's something that, that Jesus brings into this story where the centurion is willing to humble himself and go outside of his, his faith background or whatever framework he was operating in as a, as a centurion to, to say, I need this man from the middle of nowhere who has no earthly power and no medical training. I need this guy to come help me. And and Jesus is willing to do it. I think that's one of the fascinating things is that Jesus breaks a lot of customs to even help this man. Well, and it's interesting too. This man is is desperate, but he doesn't come to. Well, he doesn't come directly to Jesus. He goes first to the Jewish elders. Now, I, you read in this, of course, what they uh, what the elders even say about the centurion. There's obvious there's a relationship that they have had some encounters with one another. But he goes to these elders. I assume they're Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. <laughs> they're hoping uh, he'll. Uh, they'll make the the uh, connection, make the introduction for him. To make this practical for those who are having a discussion around this Bible study, um, there's a great question that we ask: um, How bad does a situation need to be for you to turn to God for help? How do you think people will react and respond to that question? Well, again, I think it's the thing we've, we've, we've looked at all their other options when we, especially when we think about physical things, uh, sickness, illness. The first thing we do is we don't pray. We go to the walk-in clinic. We call the doctor. We call the pharmacist. Uh, WebMD. And then we freak out because we read that we're going to die. 
Have you ever done that in the middle of the night? You're like, I'm gonna go check what this is. It's usually something catastrophic, and then you go to the doctor, and they're like, No, no, man, you just got, you know, <laughs> you just got a common cold. But uh, I, what I find so fascinating, so if it mentions that this centurion uh, is the one who helped build their their uh, their synagogue. Have you been to Capernaum? You can go to the modern archaeological dig in Capernaum and see the synagogue. And it's it's fascinating because it's a different synagogue than any other that are in the, in the in the region because it's made out of white marble. Everything else is made out of dark rock. This one is, is a beautiful masterpiece. And they say this centurion helped them build it. So if he did, this is an incredible gift, um, unlike any other. And so he's already got a strong investment in the community with the people of Israel. So I can't help but wonder if he's already very curious about God. He's a God-fearer. He's got a relationship. And he's he's looking at at these, these people and he's saying, I can't get in with them because I'm not Jewish, but I sure hope that there would be a way that I could. Um, and then what's fascinating is that he reaches out to these elders who are skeptical of Jesus you know, we find them later. They're like, they don't, they don't know what to do with Jesus. They're not sure about Jesus. There's not massive opposition, but, but they are not sure who Jesus is. And so there's a lot of people questioning and asking questions. So they broker this deal with, with this, this teacher, which they have a lot of questions of themselves. And yet, because of the way that this centurion uh, has operated, they, they are also drawn into the orbit of Jesus in some ways, right? And I find that to be so fascinating is that Jesus is such a singular figure that he he intrigues us and draws us closer and begins to move within our hearts. But but he draws us um, often through a web of relationships. There are people who who are conduits to help us get connected to him, which brings me to just a singular a, a question I was going to um, or an idea I was going to put out in front of you guys. You know, I find that this. This pattern of people bringing people to Jesus still exists today. There are a lot of people who are Jesus adjacent. They're curious and they have questions about Jesus, but they're not close enough to get to him. And the way that people get to Jesus and the way that they actually get to ask him for help usually comes through the faith of somebody else. And the relationship they have with somebody is the bridge that connects them to Jesus Christ. Um, And that's what we find here. Um, Relationship is the bridge. And, and this centurion probably would not have approached Jesus unless there were some people who are already close to him, these village elders, and they make this connection. And to go back to your question, Chris, a lot of people are always asking, like, how can I ask Jesus for help? Most of us have never seen that modeled from us in real time. Most people see the pastor doing it or they, you know, they have a grandparent that's like out of strong faith or they're like trying to figure out what this looks like. And so part of the role of discipleship is helping people like live this out real, real time and giving people access through a relationship to, to know how to even approach Jesus. Cause some of us are scared. Like we're like connected, but we're scared to take that step. And so, you know, once you're there, it's easy. You just go talk to them. But for a lot of people, they're scared that they can't get access unless uh, they have been doing the right things and know the right information and have the right set of skills. <laughs> well, we do see that this man, he was desperate. 
and he did go and look to Jesus through the elders. And then when you come to verse 6, you see that Jesus went with them. Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Here is this centurion who's got a faith that recognizes the authority of Jesus. It's fascinating that he recognizes uh, that Jesus didn't need to be present to be powerful and sufficient. Uh, just say the word. Uh, that's that's amazing. I mean, he didn't even have to. He didn't do a spell. He didn't. He didn't have to touch the the, the guy. Just simply had uttered it aloud, and and things happened. You know, it's funny because, like, again, this guy seems to be a god fear, and he's somebody who's been around the law and stuff. What you see here is almost him him coming to a claim that that this Jesus has the ability to speak things into existence, just like the God who created the heavens and the earth, where God just spoke it. And there's such a humility in this centurion's response. I mean, he talks about he understands authority, but there's a sense where he recognizes his authority is no match for the, the authority of Jesus. So uh, people in authority uh, in our world have a great deal of difficulty, it seems to me, and, and, and I think this is this would be for all of time uh, because of pride, because of position. Uh, this is the last person that you would expect um, who, who would understand that. But, um, you know, probably the best leaders are great followers. Um, pe people who, um, again, people with power and authority, best leaders are the ones that recognize that they too have to uh, have to submit um, to to others' leadership and involvement in their lives. Well, that gets to that the principle, the biblical principle of servant leadership, uh, that we lead by serving. Well, we see too that as the centurion has given this response. Uh, Jesus is pleased with his response. Verse 9, Jesus heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. It's fascinating that he's looking, he's saying that the person who has ex um, exercised the greatest faith is someone non-Jewish. That it is it is someone um, who is a who is a Gentile uh, who has expressed faith in a way that pleases Jesus and amazes him. Yeah, and he's saying, you know, he's saying faith is outside the law. Like you don't even have to keep the law to have great faith. Which a Jew would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, faith is is keeping the Torah and making sure that you're abstaining from anything that God said you can't do. This dude is having a greater faith than me. 
Uh, and Jesus is basically just tying a direct line to Abraham. The, the faith is expressed in the fact that he acknowledged the authority and, in that sense, the lordship of Christ. And I think that's a question for all of us to ponder is, you know, how can people tell that Jesus has authority over my life? How, how do I express that faith in the lordship and the authority of Christ? So this has been a great podcast, great conversation. Mike, thanks for your input. Thanks for writing for us. And uh, we appreciate so much you you taking the time. Uh, to those of you who are listening, thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope this has been helpful. We hope this is a great springboard for you into this session. And we hope you have a great Bible study this week.